Carpal tunnel syndrome is a common condition, and for some people affected chronically, carpal tunnel surgery may be the most effective way to relieve their symptoms and treat this condition. Joining us today to talk about carpal tunnel syndrome is Dr. Richard Makowitz, an orthopedic surgeon at Franciscan Health. This is Franciscan Health Doc Pod. I'm your host, Prakash Chandran. So, Dr. Makowitz, great to have you here today. You know, I think we've all heard about carpal tunnel syndrome before, but I'm wondering how common it is and what exactly causes it. Well, thanks for having me, Prakash. Uh, carpal tunnel syndrome is, in fact, super common. Uh, in the United States, uh, it's felt to impact as many as 1% to 10% of the working population. So that's a, a lot of people, and over 500,000 carpal tunnel release procedures are done every year in the United States. What causes it is a little bit more of medical mystery. We have a few things that we know for sure are associated with it. So other medical conditions, things like diabetes, hypothyroidism, rheumatoid arthritis, and renal failure for sure are associated with it. But we also know that fractures in the area of the carpal tunnel, such as wrist fractures or dislocations can do it. Arthritis can do it. We know that aging, obesity, uh, female gender and pregnancy can all contribute to it. Uh, essentially, the, the carpal tunnel is a tunnel, and anything that causes impingement or encroaches on that tunnel starts to compromise the available space in it. And those are the things that then lead to uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. I see. Yeah. The, th- the things that I most commonly hear is, look, if you are sitting at your desk for too long, you're uh, on your keyboard and mouse and your positioning or the ergonomics are off, that's like the most common way that you get it. But what I'm hearing from you is that there are a number of different factors that contribute towards it. Isn't that correct? That's exactly right. It's what we call mechanically disadvantaged wrist positions that you're talking about. So things that hold your wrist either extended or flexed for a protracted period of time tend to set it off. And that's where keyboard and work situations um, contribute to this. Also, it's exceedingly common to have symptoms at night because, again, at night, most people tend to curl up uh, into what's called a field position where the wrist is held flexed for a prolonged period. And, And people who have a tight carpal tunnel that just adds a little bit extra pinch to it. It sets things off and it frequently awakens them at night. Okay, I'm going to ask a very basic question here. You mentioned that it is a tunnel. Is the carpal tunnel like a, we can think about it like a tube that goes, you know, through your your finger into your arm? Is that an accurate portrayal of what it is? It's an accurate portrayal. To, to add some detail to that, essentially you can think of it as, as a tunnel or a, a box that has two walls, a floor, and a roof. The floor and the walls are bone. Those are unforgiving things. They, they don't yield or give way. The roof, though, is a ligament, and that has a little bit of give to it, uh, and it's something that we know thickens as we age. So it's like bringing down the ceiling within that tube or room, and all of a sudden it starts to pinch the contents inside it. And the most vulnerable thing in that tunnel is the median nerve, and in, uh, compression of that nerve is really at the heart of carpal tunnel syndrome. Okay, that's a really helpful visualization. You know, for someone that is going through carpal tunnel syndrome, I'm wondering what kind of symptoms they experience, you know, whether it be just getting started or when it's more advanced or severe. uh, What are some of the things that they might be feeling on a day-to-day basis? Absolutely, a great question. So what people commonly feel is pain in the wrist or fingers or what's called paresthesia, sort of that pins and needles feeling that people feel when their foot falls asleep, for example. 
Uh, but it's in a very characteristic distribution in carpal tunnel syndrome. It really involves the thumb, the index finger, the long finger, and half of the ring finger. Those are the digits that are innervated by the median nerve. And as we said, that's the one that's implicated in carpal tunnel syndrome. The remainder of the hand is innervated by the ulnar nerve and uh, radial nerve. So they don't exhibit symptoms in that distribution. And frequently what people will experience is very discomforting uh, pain in that distribution. And also nighttime symptoms, uh, as I mentioned before, can frequently awaken them from their sleep. And that's one of the primary things that drives people to see us. If the disease is allowed to progress, you'll start to see other things. You'll start to see weakness in the hand, clumsiness, a loss of coordination. So that things like doing a shirt button can even become complicated. Wow. So it really does seem like it progresses. Um, it might start with that basic finger tingling, uh, but it's crazy that it can advance to a point where you can't even button your shirt or do the fine, finer, more nuanced things that we all take for granted using our hands. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it Typically, early on, the symptoms are intermittent. You'll do something for a certain period of time that will kind of set that tingling off. But as long as you modify the position of the hand and wrist or shake it out is something people commonly do, the symptoms go away. But if it is allowed to progress, the symptoms will become more consistent, constant, and can even get to the point where, yeah, you start to lose muscle mass and and power coordination in the hand, things that really impact what people do with their hands on a daily basis. Okay, so I guess the next question really is, uh, if someone listening to this is experiencing some of these symptoms, they're probably also asking if this can be treated without surgery. Yeah, another fantastic question. So yes, the first-line treatment is typically not surgery. Um, surgery is reserved for those cases that don't respond to other treatments or where the disease is progressing despite these other things. So, so one of the common things that is used are braces. And again, we talked about positions of the wrist that, that cause carpal tunnel syndrome, whether you're holding it flexed or extended. And these things come up all the time. Even driving, you hold your hand in a set position for a period of time. So braces keep the wrist in a neutral position that avoids pinch on the nerve based on the position of the wrist. And that can often be enough to alleviate symptoms, particularly if someone's really complaining of just those nighttime symptoms. Wearing a brace at night uh, will, will eliminate those. There are other options um, that have more variable efficacy, I would say. So things like carpal tunnel injections or steroids can be done. And a cortisone shot doesn't necessarily increase the size of the carpal tunnel, but what it does is it shrinks the other contents of the tunnel and sort of gives the nerve a little bit more room indirectly. And so early on in the disease process, those types of things are very helpful and can possibly uh, obviate or eliminate the need for surgery. I see. I've also heard of exercises. Like, for example, I know that someone once told me if you put your thumbs uh, in between your fingers and angle your fists down, um, that's a good way to, I guess, relieve some of the stress that uh, you might be feeling. Can you talk to us a little bit about your opinions around some of these exercises? Yeah. So uh, what you're describing a little bit is nerve gliding exercises and, and also positional changes. And yes, those things can absolutely be helpful but they're not super predictable in terms of who they're going to work on and who they're not. But again, early in the diagnosis and treatment of it, absolutely exercise treatment, either a self-directed thing where a physician is saying, hey, these are the three or four exercises we want you to do on a consistent basis. Or sometimes we'll use a professional, get a hand therapist involved who can guide the patient through these exercises 
to help alleviate symptoms. There's definitely a role for them. Okay, so if you've tried the brace and you've tried some of these exercises, but nothing seems to be working, you know, I'm assuming that you might need to consider surgery. So what are the different surgery options that are available and when is it the right time to consider these options? Yeah, certainly. The the things you mentioned, you know, again, are the first-line treatments, the bracing, the exercises. But if the symptoms uh, continue to worsen or they're limiting your ability to, say, do the things that you want to do in life, whether it be work or, or at home, uh, then that's a good time to see a hand surgeon. The uh, Just as an aside, uh, like many medical conditions, early intervention works better than late. So I would always uh, err towards getting an evaluation, getting an opinion on it, and uh, moving forward with some medical guidance versus letting things play out on their own over time. Uh, the hand surgeon uh, will typically do a physical exam. There are certain provocative tests for carpal tunnel syndrome that can be indicative of the disease. There's also objective data. There's something called electrodiagnostic testing where nerves are essentially wires, and we can measure how well those wires are working. And it's a nice way to quantify if you have carpal tunnel syndrome, and if so, is it mild, is it moderate, severe, you can get graded on that study. Then based on that, there are a host of surgical treatment options that are available. All of them have the end goal of increasing the volume in the carpal tunnel. As you do that, it takes pressure off the nerve. And once the pressure reaches a point where it's greater than the blood pressure, you can imagine, then you cannot get blood flow to the nerve. That's when the nerve starts to become diseased and can even go on to die. But again, if you take the pressure off, blood flow to the nerve can be restored and recovery is fairly predictable early in the disease. I see. So, I mean, talk a little bit about that recovery. Generally, how long does that take? Yeah, another very good question. So again, there are multiple options. I'm going to go over a couple of them because it it impacts what that recovery looks like. Absolutely. You can do a a traditional open carpal tunnel that is a larger incision. It's a bigger, broader exposure uh, that decompresses the nerve. That takes pressure off of it. You can also do what's called a limited open, and this is whereby it tends to get more technical at this point and involves someone who is trained in hand surgery uh, to use specific smaller instruments to do this through a smaller opening uh, that then damages less some of the surrounding structures. That begins to speed up the recovery. And I think ultimate in terms of quickest recovery is doing an endoscopic technique where a very small opening is made, a camera is placed within the carpal tunnel. And then again, using special instruments, you can actually release the carpal tunnel from the inside out. So you're minimally disrupting the skin and the overlying tissues. Now the recovery becomes quick. Typically, people will wear a bandage for the first few days, and after that, uh, it can be removed. Uh, in my practice, I use absorbable sutures for that, so there's not any stitches to take out. And you can go to wearing just a Band-Aid on the surgical site after three to four days. The hand can be used for light things in all cases here almost immediately. And by light things, I mean normal activity of daily living. You can brush your teeth with that hand. You can eat with that hand. You can write with it. You can't go move furniture and do heavy gripping, grasping things for a bit. Uh, But uh, we've really gotten quite good at doing so-called minimally invasive surgery and getting people back to normal activities of daily living, but even heavy labor within a few weeks. Okay. So yeah, it can be pretty quick. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is that uh, someone that specializes in hand surgery should be looking at this. I see that you're an orthopedic surgeon. Is that the type of doctor that people with uh, carpal tunnel should be uh, seeking out? 
so there are a couple groups of, of doctors that typically do this surgery. You have your uh, general orthopedic surgeons. And then even within orthopedic surgery, there is a subgroup of doctors that have done additional training in, in hand and wrist surgery. And truthfully, those can be orthopedic, they can be plastic surgeons, they can be even general surgeons, although the vast majority of them are orthopedic. So I, I would look for someone that is specialty trained in hand and microvascular surgery, and that can be researched. Uh, most physicians that have that added qualification uh, advertise it. Uh, it'll be on their websites, it'll be on their business cards. But there's also groups out there such as the American Society for Surgery of the Hand uh, that can route people in the right direction to find these specialty trained physicians. You know, um, as we close here, I, I'm, I'm always curious to know, you, you probably see so many different cases of carpal tunnel syndrome at different severity levels. What's one thing that you wish that people knew or did ahead of time before coming to see you? Well, a heightened sense of awareness. So hopefully things like this podcast get the information out there and people come in earlier because like I said, it's really getting treatment early that has a better outcome. So if you've waited till the end and the nerve is damaged uh, beyond repair, then even surgery won't, it'll stop the progression of the disease, but recovery can be a little bit more variable. So really it's, it's all about education, getting the word out getting people who have these symptoms in to see a, a trained physician earlier in the disease. Well, I think that's a perfect place to end. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Makowitz. That's Dr. Richard Makowitz, an orthopedic surgeon at Franciscan Health. Find out more about carpal tunnel syndrome at franciscanhealth.org. I'm your host, Prakash Chandran. Thank you all so much for listening. 